virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby. Refreshed after my uh, couple of weekends away uh, down on the south coast. And Rob, you've been uh, sunning yourself. Hence the reason we've had uh, a little bit of a day doing this podcast, which I don't think necessarily is the worst idea. That's the holiday part, and and maybe the delay as well, just to let the uh, the temperature. You know, if you're cooking something on the hob and it's just boiling over. And then you just turn it down slightly and it just goes under the control. But any slight movement, either way, it could just reignite again. I think that's where I am right now. But uh, yeah, really nice time away. Yourself, enjoyable um, enjoyable break? Yes, thank you very much. Sunny Spain I was in. Getting uh, to watch the last game of the season was hard work, but I managed it. Uh, very nice and relaxing as well. Thank you very much. I'm glad you had a lovely time. And I, I think you're absolutely right. We are... I feel like we're timing this podcast well because everybody else out there has done their their full-blown sort of heartfelt initial reaction, emotional posts. Other podcasts out there have gone straight in. Um, and we've just accidentally but, but helpfully given ourselves a period of time just to sort of collect our thoughts a little bit and put together a two-part end-of-season special one of which is going to be fairly miserable. That's this one. If you don't fancy being miserable at the minute, now I'd never discourage you from listening to the podcast, but maybe, maybe you should go to part two. Uh, if you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, come on, let's have half an hour or so of a whinge and then we'll stick on the positive one afterwards, then you're in the right place. <laughs> you say positive. Uh, yeah, looking forward to what we need to do. I, I think the the emphasis now really is... It's quite strange because obviously what's happened up until the last couple of days has been pretty much nothing in terms of players, uh, messages on social media, and then all of a sudden we have the the release of players. So there has actually been quite a gap. Um, I'd imagine from as we are talking right now, Rob, until the start of the season, there is going to be um, an awful lot of activity in and out of the club, maybe at all levels. So, um, so yeah, so the second one we'll be looking forward, not just for the season, but for from now on. And for now, on this one, we'll be looking back at kind of, yeah, or what went wrong and, 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 and going over, you know, not entirely every single game, but we'll go through each player and all that sort of thing. So, yes, we are down. We got relegated. It was a, it was a strange end of the day because we, we, it, it's funny because we played very well. End of the day. We played really well and we played like a side who wasn't going down. We played like a team who would be finishing mid-table against the side who goes and wins a European trophy. Um, but of course, what happened at Everton happened and, you know, a good late save by Pickford, whatever. It, does, it doesn't really matter because it's the season as a whole. It's a culmination of, of many things of which we're going to go on about. Um, so... 
we are relegated. We are in the championship, which I think we've all got our heads around now and are kind of looking to see what's what to, regarding your own situation. I think many of us have thought that. I don't know about you, Rob, but I, I've kind of gone, right, well, you know, how do I feel about that? You know, you might go, well, actually, I don't care. Or I, I support the club wherever. I don't really mind who we play. I'm, I'm focused on Leicester. You might be, um, as we were spoken on the previous podcast, right, we're going to go to, I don't mind because we go to different games. I might be one of those people go home and away every single day, every single game, and I don't mind because we go to some new grounds and there we go. Or this could be the end of the world and um, and football ends as we know it. Um, so how do you feel right now, Rob? I'm I'm okay because we're in the championship and fully enough, well, not fully enough, but we, we really deserve it. And we're going to, we deserve it so much. We're going to go on about why and how, but we deserve it. So if, if it was by, I don't know if it was the, the, the season we stayed up when we ended on an incredible run at the end of the season, but maybe just failed to get there late on, you know, you can maybe argue that, but yeah, we ultimately deserved it. So I'm all right as we, as we sit, obviously I was good at it at the time, but I'm all right now. Yeah, I've been absolutely fine. And I think we, like many Leicester fans, pretty much, at least sort of 80-90%, came to terms with the fact that we were getting relegated to the Championship a few weeks before it actually happened. So the the inevitable did eventually happen. We did have the highs and lows of the final day still and the and the, the what-ifs and the, and the hope that, that as football fans and, and particularly Leicester City fans, that hope that kills you... But I'm fine. I'm all right. Um, as as me, from my point of view as a Leicester fan, I'm all right with us being in the championship. You're absolutely right. That we don't deserve to be anywhere else. Over the course of 38 games, we were the third worst side in the Premier League. Uh, the new grounds or the, the the grounds that I've not been to that are local to me since I moved up here, I'm looking forward to going to those. And uh, um, I, I just think from a, a footballing and a business point of view, though, it, it could spell big trouble because the championship is a notoriously difficult division to get out of. And, you know, Leicester have invested an awful lot of money in other areas of the club recently, essentially on the proviso that they would be playing Premier League and hopefully European football. Neither of those things are going to be the case for at least a year. So it's very, very important that... that part two of the podcast that we're going to talk about that the summer and then and then the start of the season is the right path for Leicester because the wheels could fairly quickly come off we've seen it we've seen it with lots of different clubs yes okay we've got the ownership and the finances in place at the moment but there is there is that niggle at the back of my mind that thinks oh this this could be this could be a very sticky situation for Leicester but from my point of view as a fan in terms of enjoying football I really don't think it's going to be that detrimental to my enjoyment of following Leicester. In, in any case, it's it's almost like a bit of a uh, breath of fresh air in a way because we've not been down there for, for quite a while, which is a positive. And at least we leave this era of Premier League football with trophies in our back pocket. And I suppose, I you know, every, everyone again will have their own thoughts on it, but... Um, you, you've read plenty and I've read plenty and, and you get people very much overreacting and I I would like to look back on on the era of not Leicester in the Premier League I'm not going back as far as Leonardo Ajoa I'm not going back as far as having David Nugent score I'm I'm thinking purely of kind of the Rogers era I think you, you were there for so long and so much happened obviously good and bad you know that you you can really 
kind of put those almost in into two or maybe three. In fact, I would even put the Rogers era into two. Um, and I and I think in time people would look back fondly. Now, when it comes to players' legacy at a football club, you know how would you rate, let's say Harvey Barnes leaves? What well, how would you rate his his career at Leicester? Do you start with the defeat? Well, no, but uh, with the with the relegation. But then again, if you start with say James Madison people will automatically, I think, then go towards the relegation kind of first rather than the FA Cup win. I'm very much on the basis of, over time, people will remember the good times. They'll remember um, the FA Cup win. Yuri Tillemans probably is the number one player at this current time because of the fact that he's left the club. I think people will look back in time as, yes, he's the guy who scored that amazing goal in the FA Cup final. Now, anyone, and history has had that, littered through the FA Cup, you know, unsung heroes, really. But he wasn't because he was arguably the best player at the club for a number of years. Yes, disappointing this season, and you can't overlook that. But I I would tend to look at those good times first. So these, you know, people thinking that they're instantly terrible players, no. But you do have to, of course, remember what's happened in this last, you know, this last season. Um. When when I look back at like the the Rogers era, I I think you could basically you could basically go up to that game against Forest in the FA Cup. You go back to what last February, and what Rogers said about the squad, about it needing a refresh, and it was at the time very refreshing to hear a manager of a, a very successful manager of a football club going right. We've had great success at this club but we need a squad overhaul. And it happens on the back of a very, very damaging defeat. You know, you're out of the cup that you're the holders against local rivals in a lower division. And I think at the time it was quite shocking. Obviously, everyone was upset with the defeat, but everyone kind of understood and went, yes, you can see it. And then it doesn't happen. And I think you can just label everything that happened throughout the summer down to there. What what was the communication between the board and Brendan Rodgers at the time? I, I, I think there's... I'm not in, 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 the, in the camp of people going, well, there must have been talk between the between them. Rodgers must have known that there was money to spend. I don't think so, because managers all the time have a, a bench full of kids when they want to um, make a, a signal to the board to sign players or, or whatever. And I think this was genuinely a man in charge of a football club who had won the FA Cup, had great success going, right, I need this and it's probably not going to happen, but I need to make everyone aware. And of course, it comes back to bite, you know, very, very, well, in a massive way. And then, of course, you get to the summer and nothing happens in terms of signings and also in terms of sales as well. And and, and I just think you go all the way back to then and then from then on, it's just a complete disaster on and off the field at virtually every level of the football club as well. And everyone's been saying Leicester, you know, the best run football club in the Premier League, etc., etc. Absolutely. And we were because things were going right on the field. Now, off the field, there were a few obviously calamities, but in, in terms of signing players, etc., it didn't work out. But that happens all the time. But 
very small things start to happen and then weird things start to you know weird decisions start to happen and then it becomes more and more and in the end you have the summer up until a few days before the Premier League starts that Leicester had and I I just think everyone up until that first ball was kicked against Brentford I think up until that there there was huge errors on and off the field players probably should have been moved on players maybe should have moved on themselves or maybe pushed towards that and then obviously with the manager either still being at the club because obviously things weren't happening the way he wanted and then obviously at board level as well but I think you go back to then if we're talking about then till the start of the season that's when it really the fan was hit that's a long time ago now isn't it that that's um you're you're right. Every everything that happens at a football club, behind the scenes, on the pitch, is is inevitably going to have a knock on effect on the next game or the next month or in in this case the 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 following entirety of a season. And it was essentially a firefighting mission this season uh, that Leicester could never quite put it out. You know, there, there were flashes of times when you thought, okay, we're we're over the worst of this now. Um, uh, and we were kind of sitting back a little bit uh, as supporters and possibly the players and the management and the owners as well were sitting back thinking, yeah, things are a little bit tricky. Uh, we haven't managed this situation particularly well. This didn't go the way we wanted it to. But surely, looking at the just the list of players available to Leicester City Football Club, this team will be able to pick up enough points to stay in the Premier League. The, the, the total... Uh, of the magic 40 or 38 or whatever you want to say is surely achievable for this group of players and and I think that would then have possibly sort of papered over a few of the of the cracks to 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 a certain extent but I think most of us would if would if would have managed to finish 15th or something like that and and done a uh, a Bournemouth or a West Ham and, and got those results that just about get you enough points to stay in the Premier League. Don't get me wrong, we wouldn't have been sort of clapping our hands and going, yes, come on, what a season. And we would have been doing a podcast reasonably similar to, the, similar to this, looking at where did it not go so right, but we would still then at least be thinking about another season in the Premier League, whereas we're now sat here having failed to achieve that goal and we don't know the the ins and outs of why so-and-so didn't sign a new contract why seven first team players have been able to leave on free transfers this summer why this why that we don't know whether Brendan Rodgers had an agreement with the board to have x amount of money for for this overhaul of the squad or not we don't know what those conversations were what I know from what I've seen and that I can actually analyse because I saw it with my own eyes is that the players did not play well enough this season to stay in the Premier League. And ultimately, everything that came before that, yes, was a contributing factor, but you only stay in the Premier League through winning football matches and every single player at some points or virtually all points of the season were 10, 15, 20% off of their their usual performance levels or their maximum performance levels. And you just have not got that much slack in the Premier League because Bournemouth stayed in the Premier League based on hard work and application alone. 
and Leicester City couldn't manage that with a team littered with international footballers and players that have won trophies, many of whom are at this club. So ultimately, from a footballing point of view, it has to lie with the players. Brendan Rodgers is one bloke. He can't, he can't, couldn't work miracles quite clearly because he couldn't keep, he couldn't do enough to to keep his job and ultimately keep us in the Premier League. It falls on the back of the eighteen to twenty players that have that have made a significant number of appearances for Leicester this season, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm broadly similar. I think everyone obviously takes the blame, which 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 you did say. Um, I, I noticed there's a few people out there regarding like Brendan and obviously saying well he was right all along. In many ways he was, but his performance as manager this season was 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 awful. Um, and, and we don't know, we don't know. Do do you think that Brendan? He obviously was on a big money um, contract at Leicester. He could have gone in the summer. Things weren't happening. Right, I'm off. Okay. He could have gone at the start of the season after, what, seven or eight games when it was a complete disaster. Maybe, and, and what I mean, gone, sacked. Um, there was probably two or three other key moments of the season where he should have maybe have been pushed then. And then eventually he was let go. I think, um, I think Brendan was... I don't have a problem with what he said against Forrest. I don't have a problem with anything up until the first ball is kicked. And then the decisions from then on are his. So the problems during the summer, I, I don't lay at his feet. That that to me is, is board level stuff and the club. As soon as a ball gets kicked on that field and there was problems on that first day when blaming the temperatures and all that sort of thing. You know, complete nonsense. And then from then on, the you could tell from the stands that he wasn't giving it a hundred percent, and it was mentioned in many places throughout the course of the season. And for him to not have the ability to turn round a side performing so badly, um, spoke volumes. And we'll talk about his decisions throughout the course of the season as we um, as we go through these, uh, you know, as we go through each individual player. But when it comes to to Brendan, up until the season starts. I, I've not really got a problem, but the transfer window we well we didn't have was just amazing. You know, Fafana, the, is he going to go? Is he going to? And eventually he goes just before the season starts. Again, if a club like Chelsea are coming in for this guy, that should have been put over the line pretty quickly. Now I know that means Chelsea have to offer the money. Then fine, but also you have to as a football club, you can't base your entire transfer window on one player, even though it's an, a lot of money and you've not got an awful lot. You just can't do that because there's not going to be enough time for you to sign players. And ultimately, there wasn't. And it was just a, a rush job. It was almost like when he goes, there wasn't the kind of trigger point on a number of players. Right, we're going to get X, Y, and Z through the door straight away. It, it, it just didn't happen. I, I find that startling. The fact that we have a a chief scout um, on guarding leave. I mean, just amazing, you know, a, a director of football or, or essentially um, head of recruitment. What's going on there? It, it was a complete mess. So you've got a manager wanting an overhaul of the squad. Does anyone leave? No. Right. Okay, fine. Now, a lot of fans are blaming the players for running down their contract. I... 
I don't I don't know about that. Why did Tillemans run down his contract? Well, because now he's going to move and get a really good deal somewhere because they don't have to pay a transfer fee. That's fine. The club will sell the player. James Madison. But we kept him and we, we more than likely have turned down a few offers for James Madison. Yuri Tillemans, apparently no. Apparently there wasn't any offers. So again, if there's no one offering money for these players, then they're not going to leave. But surely you have some kind of list on the wall in Seagrave. I know it's a nice place, but isn't there an electronic 3D list of the players' contracts and going, we've got a bit of a problem coming up this summer or next summer. It's, again, mismanagement off the field of an extraordinary level. Um, it's it, it's quite crazy. I've I've been writing down, actually, over the last, not few days, but since we went down, things that I've kind of remembered or tried to try to put down of what happened and what I think are the main strong points about it. Um, funny enough, I don't know whether you read the net, but um, I, I, I haven't really seen it. But they did a list of 79 ridiculous things that happened. And honestly, running down, virtually all of mine are on there. But uh, it, it's quite a read. It's, it really is quite funny. Um, and then, Rob, the one thing happened out of everything before the ball was kicked. And I'll come on to this guy later in the second part. But I think possibly the biggest thing that happened throughout the whole summer until that first ball was kicked happened, what, half a week before the season started. And that's Kasper Michael goes. We lose our captain. We lose our first team goalkeeper. And then we have a goalkeeper who's hardly played any preseason games going goal, who's been sitting on the bench for four years and he has a disaster. A complete nightmare of a season. And I can't believe, honestly, if if Schmeichel stayed, would we be in this position? Everyone can come out with a different answer. There's no right or wrong answer. But for me, no. Never in a million years. And that decision was just frighteningly awful from everyone. And it was proved when Henry Winter went to see him, as I mentioned last time, and spoke to him. And he just went, well, I didn't want to leave. But the club weren't really putting anything in front of me to stay. I had a contract, yeah. And then I was offered a lot of money and at, 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 uh, at his new club. And again, the club knew and it went on and on. And then eventually I was like, okay, how can you treat a player like that? How can you look at a squad that with a week to go, you look at that squad and go, we, we're in trouble here. You know, we, we've not been able to sell our best player and all of a sudden it's going to go through and you might be able to... And our goalkeeper and our captain and a legendary player at the club, a massive say, probably the biggest voice in the changing room and a massive ally of the manager and, you know, a real, real figurehead of the club is going to, it has a chance to leave and we're not going to do anything about it. Out of everything this season, I still think that is just frightening really i think what it does do is it highlights all of the other little bits that you've mentioned there business wise um transfer wise contract wise it, all of those other things on their own or even accumulatively quite probably wouldn't have got us relegated this season let the seven players contracts come to an end freeze out soyunchu don't have the squad overhaul faff around with the Fafana transfer. If you do all of that, 
but Kasper Schmeichel's still at the club. Yep. There is there is every chance that Leicester get the two more points that they needed to stay in the Premier League. I'm convinced. He, I'm absolutely convinced. He, he would convinced. win you hundred percent. He he wins you more than two points in a in a season. He's done it every single season that he's been at Leicester City. He he could save you two two points per game. He can turn a turn from a a, a sort of a draw to a, a a win. You know, you win in last minute. Who comes up with a big save? Kasper Schmeichel. Your your backs against the wall. You're under the cosh. Last couple of minutes. You need to hold out for for this point or these three points. Who is rallying the defence? Who is setting the standards so so high? Um, either through his own performances or through his his verbal communication with the rest of the players. Kasper Schmeichel. Danny Ward, I'd, I think he was a mute for the first 10 games of the season. He didn't seem to speak to anybody about anything ever. And it's not its not laying the blame at Danny Ward's door. It's not Danny Ward got Leicester relegated. That's not the case here. The decision to sell Kasper Schmeichel was absolutely the sort of... It's basically like, right, I played Jenga with my nieces at the weekend. And we're every every little brick you're taking out of that Jenga tower... It starts wobbling a little bit more, but it stays up, yeah? And then one more time comes along, my three-year-old niece, who's probably got similar management skills to, to what's gone on behind the scenes at Leicester in the last 18 months to two years. She comes along, a little bit heavy-handed. Bosh, down goes the Jenga tower. That's Kasper Schmeichel's departure. Absolutely, a- absolutely. And when you say, yeah, and when you say sold, like, let let go. He, he was, and, and it's almost like, I'm going... I'm going. I'm going. Hello. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm out. The, I'm half out the door. My left leg is out of the door now. Anyone? Is anyone there? Like, what's what went on? I mean, it's it, it's it's criminal. I mean, if you're looking at um, and everyone knows, but you've got a certain level of player, right? You've got good professional. Oh, they've had a great career. Local hero. Um, and then you go into, oh, he's a legend. He's an all-time great. And then I think there's 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 even there's two more, and one of them's the goat, which I think is obviously Jamie Vardy. But then you've got kind of another a level alongside the goat, which is statue, as in they're gonna have a statue. Now I think Schmeichel is probably on that statue because he's the one who lifted the FA Cup. He was there when they won the league, and all the way through. This amazing success that we've had. Surely, at the end of his career, if he stayed, if he stayed at Leicester and they finished tenth or whatever, and he played for a year or two, maybe picked up a trophy again, and then retired, there's a statue, surely, and they might well be still. Who knows? And again, more on this in the second half. But I that decision, and I, I've said a billion times before, the goalkeeper can change a defence. Rather than changing the fullback, centre halves, whatever, a, def- a goalkeeper can change the way the whole defence plays. And your ta- you when you said it, I agree. Schmeichel behind that defence surely is not as bad. That f- remember how bad Leicester were throughout the first. It wouldn't have happened. Surely it would not have happened. So I can't think of anything. I can't think of one thing this season that was more damaging than the goalkeeper going and captain. Um, Going. I mean, fully enough. You you look further on, and the way that Mark Albrighton went. I mean, again, at the time it was mad, and looking back now, it's it's even worse. So, 
we could go on and on, Rob, and mention a load of things that happened. But ultimately, um, I think it's probably time to go through the team. And if we go through the team and give our ratings one by one, we can then talk about those players. Because again, they will be reflected of other things that happened at the club, essentially. Um, and we'll start with number one, and that's Danny Ward. Again, you said it, you, you don't blame him. I, you know, he was awful. And he should have been taken out the fire line, fire line earlier. Uh, Danny Leverson then came in. So we'll talk about the goalkeepers kind of in, 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 in one group. So Ward, Everson, and then Alex Smithies, which we'll come on to in a sec. But Ward should have been taken out that fire line earlier on. A massive cross next to Brendan Rodgers. What was that about? That's dreadful. Now, if you did not trust the goalkeeper, bring one in in time. If you didn't want him there, as soon as that happens, why isn't someone being brought in in the January transfer window? You know you're going to play Daniel Leverson fine. And Daniel Leverson has been okay slash good. But Ward, it didn't work straight away. After what, six or seven games, it became a joke. His confidence was absolute rock bottom. I've never seen a goalkeeper who let the ball go past him in a one-on-one situation and rather than the finish being a lovely chip over him, it went through him like he wasn't there. And I've never seen a goalkeeper like that. He makes one or two excellent saves. The, he commanded his area awful, just dreadful underneath the high cross. Um, Schmeichel gets away with it or got away with it quite a lot. Okay, it was one of his uh, full, full points. But like, just all around, I can't think of an actual attribute that Danny Ward has as a goalkeeper in a Leicester shirt, that is. I know he played well for his country. but So overall, Danny Ward in goal, well, it's a zero for me. It's got to be a zero. He was dreadful. And also, it completely affected the whole defence. Again, the goalkeeper can change the whole way a defence plays. And even if Daniel Everson was in goal from the start of the season, I think things would have been completely different for that for the start. And for Everson, if we're doing these two just as they are, um, I think Everson probably gets a 7 from me, 7 out of 10, because he was brought in at a certain stage. Yes, there's a few mistakes. I think he, there's a making of a really good goalkeeper there. He's got... He needs to work on being stronger underneath the high ball. The guy's a tall lad. You know what I mean? He's he's a tall lad. He's got all the physical attributes he wants as a goalkeeper. Yeah, kicking the ball's not great, um, as we saw on that um, towards the end of the uh, the Newcastle game. But he's he's the sort of goalkeeper who just needs to assert himself more. How many times did players load the six-yard box against a goalkeeper of similar heights? A goalkeeper would normally be easy to catch the ball, to punch the ball, to dominate that area. He's too weak. Great shot stopper. Really good. A little bit of a problem off his line. Whenever there's a free kick, I feel he's slightly slow at reacting. I'm not blaming him for the the, the Alexander-Arnold free kick. That was, a, that was a great... But I think just from those sorts of efforts... Over a wall, I always thought David James was awful at free kicks. I thought he had a, a concrete legs, um, and it's kind of a mental thing. And uh, I think Everson, he needs to work on that big time. Um, 
sometimes he, he's just too far off his line almost. His positioning's not great. Um, but he could easily be our number one next season. More on that in a bit. But I'd give him probably a seven overall because if he, well, you're coming from a zero with Danny Ward. Um, and Alex Smithies very nearly got player of the year with a, <laughs> with the online vote, um, which we'll come on to uh, as we go through this side. So Ward, I'm giving zero. And Everson, I'm giving seven out of ten. Danny Ward's score might sound a little bit harsh to those of you that are listening, thinking, wow, you've gone there nice and early doors. But the problem that we have is no player is going to score in the upper levels of your sort of nine or ten out of tens. So that does shrink the scale a little bit. We've had tens, haven't we? We've had tens. Oh, in the past, we absolutely have. Yeah, we've had we've had performances worthy of ten out of ten. We've had discussions for five minutes talking about whether they deserve a ten, and then we've gone with ten, and we've had to kind of put people back to night. You know. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been there, and now we're here, and we're right at the other end of the scale because God, ultimately, are. if you look at Leicester's season, we've had some ten out of ten seasons in in the time that we've been doing this podcast. And this is, well, this is the worst season that we've had on the podcast because we've never been relegated. We've always been in the Premier League. So in terms of you rating the season, it could have been a little bit worse. Could have finished 20th or 19th and not won a single game. But you're rating the season overall out of 10 and it's probably like a a three or something. So you then, you've got the players that have been, as as I've said, my sort of the, the main the, the the main the fault lies ultimately at them in terms of being relegated. So why can't you give Danny Ward a zero? Because he was absolutely woeful. I wouldn't give Everson as high as a seven. I think he had too many wobbly moments and he just looked better than he was because he came in after Danny Ward. And let's be honest, Pete, you used to play a little bit in goal before you realised everybody grew a bit taller than you. You could have done better than Danny Ward in goal for Leicester this season. Oh, the cat would have been all over some of those uh, some of those one-on-ones, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, Everson's a six for me. Danny Ward, I can't do anything other than agree with your zero out of ten. Right, I've got the uh, the Premier League squad in front of me. So we'll go through uh, f- with the defence, basically. Uh, James Justin, it's just injury prone, isn't it? So uh, I, th- I thought fairly underwhelming when he played, but again, not really his fault again with the injuries. We'll, we'll see. And if we get a full season from James Justin, we know how good a player he is. Um, so it's just going to have to be a five or four, well, a four, really. I think four is probably that sort of level because, again, didn't really, I mean, 14 appearances, funny enough, crikey. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to give it a four because I think during those performances, it wasn't the Justin of old. Now, there's a million excuses because of injuries, but I'm going to go with four. And um, I'll, we'll go two at a time then and, and do this at home as well. And number four is Charles Um Seven appearances, one goal. Um, again, if you're the manager of a football club and you've been there for a number of years and you fall out with a player, fine. Okay, that happens. Disagreements happen. Sometimes you might not like a player and not might not like that person, but they're a first-team regular. Now, that could have easily should have been the case here. Um, I would easily put it down as a massive... Again, a huge red cross next to Brendan Rodgers. Not the falling out with Soyuncu. Chu. That's his own... That's, that's again, that's the manager's prerogative. That's fine. But why was he part of the squad? Why wasn't he moved on in the summer? 
why was a contract offered to him when he wasn't being played out of obviously a personal relationship purely because the defense was so bad you can't have Soyuncu on the bench with the worst defense in the league because he's surely going to play it, the, the problem was obviously a personal thing so why were the club offering a new contract when they knew that was the case and also why didn't they get rid of him in the summer it seems absolutely remarkable that Soyuncu sat on that bench throughout virtually the entire season and then he comes in and he's the best player in the team for pretty much seven games I, I don't understand that at all again falling out with players is fine but why wasn't he moved on a and and is it Kags' fault? Probably. He could be a right nightmare. He could be an horrible bloke. I don't know. But that's serious, serious mismanagement. Serious mismanagement by um, the board and Brendan Rodgers especially. Um, Soranchu, I don't know, 7 out of 10. Because he didn't, when he played, he played very well. Scored a goal and he was the, you know, the best defender at the club for those games. So... You know, for his season, when he played, he got seven. Overall, it's probably about a one because, again, it's uh, it, it, it's mind-blowing. But again, I put that firmly at Rodgers and I'll throw in Ryan Bertrand, arguably the worst signing that Leicester have ever made in their history. Uh, and it's a zero. I We can't go less than zero, um, but it would be for him. So, uh, yeah, Justin has a, a lot of um, excuses. Soyuncu... Firmly at the door of the manager throughout the course of the season. At the start, no, I'm fine with Rogers' decision. But then, as it went on, it became, it became so bad. It was it was funny. People were like, what? What's happened to this guy? And I'm like, don't know. He's he's on the bench every week. It's not like he's not in a squad. He's not in the bench. He's, he's on the bench. Mad, absolutely madness. <laughs> Are you all right? Oh, there's more. Don't get you. You you wait until we get into midfield. Okay, um, I've not got anything really to add on those, so I'll move on to the other players. We missed out uh, while fast there in your in your tirade between Justin and Sue and Chu. Um, fast is an interesting one because when he first came in and So Chu was in the dark, you were we were looking at fast going, yeah, this is this is the kind of centre back we like at Leicester. He loves defending. He's he loves a challenge in the air, loves a challenge on the ground, and he'll leave a bit on a player. Um, aggressive front foot kind of defender so when he first came in you're like yeah this this man right he's he's not quite Wesley Fofana um and he cost a fraction of the price so quite clearly he's not Wesley Fofana but he fills that gap of somebody that's gonna step out with the ball decent on the ball um but he very quickly got the sort of the the energy sapped out of him by what else was going on around him on the pitch at the training ground at the club the the way that the season declined as did his uh, his performances a little bit by no means the worst player on the pitch for Leicester this season but I I can't see a way to give him any more than a a, a five he was mostly steady made a few mistakes didn't have the um for the personality really to drag Leicester's worst defensive performances in a long time he, he couldn't do anything about them um and so so I've, I can't give him any higher than a five personally Johnny Evans is a is a difficult one because I, I said this on a podcast might have been the last one one before possibly um 
if if he had played even 10 more games this season i think there is another player who could do what we were talking about Kasper Schmeichel can do and can single-handedly not even necessarily due to anything that he does with the ball but he can single-handedly create an environment in which Leicester don't drop as many points and certainly don't concede as many goals because you he got chucked back in first appearance since October uh back end of the season and he looked every inch the Rolls-Royce defender that Johnny Evans has always been. Uh, it didn't look like he'd been away, really. Yes, he started cramping up a little bit, understandable. But he just adds so much composure and experience to that back line that it was massively missing from from Schmeichel. So Johnny Evans, I mean, he's only played a handful of games, so how, how do you rate a player like that? But I, I can't... I, he didn't really put a foot wrong. So if you if you're rating the games that he played, uh, like you did for Suyuncu and give him a seven, you're probably looking at something like a six or a seven for Evans. But if you're looking at his overall impact on the season, then you can't go that high with a rating out of ten. So, what did you stick with seven for Suyuncu? If you did, I'll stick with seven for Evans. Need a bit of caffeine. Hang on. Right, wind myself up for that. Yeah, I absolutely completely agree. Um, Daniel Amati, uh, 20 appearances, five clean sheets. Um, he had he was part of that, um, the, the centre-half partnership with, with uh, Voltfast, which had those run of clean sheets. Um, he's, he's obviously gone now, but he's one of those players released or out of contract, so he's gone. Um, he, he was Daniel Amati. So I, I would have to say he's a five out of ten because he he did what he did he 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 was solid on occasion, um, very very uh, effective on occasion, but also quite dreadful on many occasions. Very very uh, any mistake at the back, or in fact actually Voltvas and Danimarty there in in terms of clanger ometer, both of them are. If it was football manager, there'll be a very towards the twenty on clangerometer, wouldn't they? They're they're very high. They've got it in them massively, um, and unfortunately, we we saw on many occasions that um, yes, I, the, the the problem with Amati being told how to play, which is completely against the him against the way he can play, pass the ball out from defence. No, don't Daniel, don't. Give it, give it the big heave ho. If you're under, if you're under pressure and you feel a bit scared, don't pass it back to the goalkeeper because he's god awful. Just put it into Rosette, mate, because everyone knows that's what you that you can't. You're not going to spray the ball around. You're not Franz Beckenbauer. So just do that. You're there to block head, get in the way, and you're actually fairly useful at that. Um, Ricardo Pereira, ten appearances, one goal. Um, we know how good he is. Um, I think Pereira was okay um i'm gonna give him probably about a five out of ten purely because he didn't play enough uh it was ineffective on occasion but then looked he's because he's coming back from injury you can see quite clearly if ricardo Pereira is fit or not because the increase in performance from him being fit to not quite there is amazing um and also on the flip side looking towards next season rumours as we speak that he might actually want to be there and stay for the season well you might have a player who who could basically maybe play every other game 
maybe rotate with someone or because it's in the championship and hopefully he might actually have a, a reasonably easier time and just get back to playing football. So I would only give him a five and then the next guy is Yannick Vestergaard. Zero appearances, zero clean sheets, zero goals, um, which tells the story. Um, again, the signing was crazy. The money he's on was crazy. The the fact that he was going to go and then he didn't, uh, and then he, it was on because of he was having kids, etc., and all that. Well, I, I again, massive mismanagement from the boardroom. Was it an? Uh, was it a? Uh, and he said O'Neill. Was it a Rogers signing? We don't know. Like we don't know, do we? Um, I'd love to know. I'm on the basis of it's probably not. But you still have a footballer. I know how bad he was when he played. And again, if if something could go wrong, it tended to go wrong when he was on. If he came on with two minutes to go, we conceded, and it's not necessarily his fault. If you remember those goals when he came, it. it, it the actual goal wasn't really his fault, but it still was the case. But again, and it's not even hindsight, the defence is absolutely dreadful. What can you do? You've got a defender there on, on, on the bench, an international defender with loads of Premier League experience, who I know he's had a tough time and it's not quite worked, but still, you've not used him. He's had zero appearances. I mean, he had a calamity game in uh, for the under twenty one. I mean, what was going on there? Um, just remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Um, so that's a zero. So many zeros flying about. I, did, I, you know, when I thought about doing this, I was like, I, I didn't realise properly until we've dug into it how bad it was going to be. Uh, yet here we are. Uh, next, numerically looking at fullbacks, Castagna and Thomas. Uh, Castagna is, in my opinion, one of the most sort of honest, hardworking, steady, dependable players that we've signed in in a long time. Uh, And he's been at the club for, what, three years now. 27 years old in his prime. This, This, I think, this season proves that he is a good, not great player. Because in a team that's playing well, he looks fantastic. Great going forward, hard working. He'll win your headers. He'll put his body on the line. He'll have his face smashed in as he has done in the past. Um, but again, he was part of a defence that was basically parting to allow whoever to score whenever they wanted. And also, and, Rob, they'll be, yeah. they'll be, who, who's playing him on side? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And every again, he was, every he, time. A half a yard to a yard behind his teammates, and that's all it took. Uh, and that was definitely the case against Liverpool as well. Not that that got not that losing three 0 to Liverpool got us relegated, but you know the, I, was, I was commentating on that game, so that that sticks in my mind. That was just a cherry on the top, weren't it? He he always played. I I think he had a poor again solid, but but overall poor. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this is what I'm saying. Solid for Leicester, generally speaking, but this season. You, yeah, you struggle to give him... I mean, if you're giving Daniel Amati a five, then you can't give Castagna any lower. But I'm going to put him at another another five. Uh, and then you get to Luke Thomas, who... Oh. Um, it, I think it's going to benefit him, Leicester being relegated to the championship, because that means that probably Leicester don't need to find a loan move for him, because him and Christensen 
who we'll talk about in a second um, as one of the two new defensive signings um, in, in January. Him and Christensen can rotate at left back, or you know, even um, we'll talk about this in the next in the in the second part. But they could play one at left side of the back three and one further forward. They could possibly play together at times, uh, and a championship season's not going to do him any harm in terms of bulking him up. But he he was a little lost boy out there, um, and you, I I can't see any way to give him more than a than a two out of ten. Well, yeah, I. I think we've looked. I, I completely agree with you there regarding he, he'll benefit from the season in the championship. That performance against Blackburn, how he came out onto the field in the second half, no idea. The slice at the end of the first half, it, it'd gone as a football, he'd gone. He, he could barely put one foot in front of the other, and then he he basically had to leisurely play a high floated ball down the touchline in front of the dugout, and he sliced it horribly out of play, and. And I could not believe he came out in the second half. It was it was awful. Yes, feel a bit sorry for the for the lad, but this is a guy who's won. He started an FA Cup final. He's he's played Premier League football. I've I've basically gone. He play, he's played too many times for me to feel sorry for him in terms of a footballer. And he's a young player. I think he's gone beyond that. So I I've now gone on the case of I think he's had an absolutely awful season. He will benefit from championship football um, and we'll just have to see. It might, who knows? He needs to bulk up. He needs to, he needs to eat like I have done on holiday, basically. That's what he needs to do all, all summer and bulk up. Um, on to Christiansen is an interesting one. What happened at Villa? We turned up at Villa and played like Brazil with a Brazilian and we thought it's all going to be fine. And then again, it just completely... Dis- remarkable, like, <laughs> when you look back and you look at back on what Villa have done and you think, well, what happened there? It, absolutely crazy. Um, strange enough, I think Victor Christensen will actually do, uh, will benefit from a season in the championship. Positive news regarding that he'll probably want to stay and, and try and win a trophy. That's great. 12 appearances... There's a player there. There is a player. Um, I think he will benefit from having a team start to win and build. And I think in time, there is a very good player there. I'm I'm going to give him, overall, I'm going to give him a f- five because I think his first few performances were so promising that he didn't keep that level up. He showed us what he's got and it fell off. I know he got injured, but the performances really, really dropped. So... We know he's better than he is, or that he's been showing, and I think that's worse than actually just being a poor footballer. If you know what I mean, you're not putting it in. Um, sound like my uh, parents' evening, really, at school. Um, so uh, on to Harry Souter uh, again. Strange, very strange, but from a different angle. We bring in Harry Souter um, at the time. I think Rob, uh, you can correct me, but I. I said it's a signing that's either going to be fantastic or awful. It's not going to be anywhere in between. And at the moment, I think it kind of is in somewhere in between. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long it, why it took so long for Smith to play Suter. Again, when it comes to Smith, um, and we'll we'll discuss Dean Smith when it comes to next season on the uh, on part two. This would be again a huge cross next to his name. Why? Why? Wasn't he playing? Okay, you've got your own ideas. Doesn't matter. The defence has started to crumble. Bring him in. He's fit. He's ready to play. 
and then you bring him in and he was the best player in possibly the last few games. So we know his limits. Very useful for next season. Um, overall, I'm probably going to say a six for Suter. And uh, and I think that's the defence done. So whether we're matching up with yours at home, then uh, make sure you let us know. At for Fox sake or at FFS pod on Twitter, for Fox podcast at gmail.com and on uh, Facebook as well. We'll read out some of the messages at the end of uh, of this half as we move on to the midfielders. Or unless you uh, have got something to say about this final two, Rob. No, no, happy with those. Uh, numerically next, if we're looking at midfield, we start with number seven, Harvey Barnes. Now, Barnes has not had his best season, but then again, which Leicester player did? And he did have his best season in terms of his goal-scoring return, which is something that we said many times on this podcast for many years. There's a player there in Harvey Barnes, good 1v1. Where's the the end product? The end product, miraculously, in a season where we clearly desperately needed it, it it turned up. Um, he, He blew too hot and cold for me. When you know Barnes, he's he's obviously similar to someone like Castagna. He's playing in a team where where he's he's not being done any favors, and he's playing on the left hand side. Barnes, where he's playing alongside Luke Thomas, who is devoid of any kind of confidence. But Barnes has has ended the season as top scorer, his best goal scoring season. So I don't think you can look at that in any other way than give him. Which is probably going to be the highest score that we give anybody this afternoon uh, on this podcast, seven out of ten, because he, without his goals, things could have been a, a million times worse. And yes, he drifted in and out of games, but there were times, and there were significant period of time in this season where we couldn't get the ball forward at any point. So, can you lay any blame at his door if Leicester couldn't get the ball to him in the first place, or the ball that was somewhere near him was about twenty yards away, and he after run after it with the, the defenders having a 5-10 yard head start. So I, I've got to go 7 out of 10 for Leicester's number 7 this season. Uh, I'm not going to go 8 out of 10 for Leicester's number 8. It's Yuri Tillemans' worst season in a Leicester shirt. I think that's his worst season for most players in a Leicester shirt, let's be honest. Um, he, he should have been better this season. I know he had a couple of injuries. And you know with Yuri Tillemans, he needs game time to to be at the the level that that he can be at and that's that's across the board that's from a technical point of view it's from a sharpness of thought point of view it's from a sharpness of movement point of view um and it's from a stamina point of view and all of those were well below par for most of the season for a player of Yuri Tielemann's quality to the point where i'm quite tempted to to give my rating of him lower than we have for players like Amati, simply because Daniel Amati would struggle to get more than a 5 out of 10 in a season because that's his limit, That that that's him. Whereas Yuri Tielemans is, is one of, on his day, one of the best players that I've seen in a Leicester shirt. Yet he was part of the leadership group, wore the captain's armband on a number of occasions, is allegedly this, this great had the potential maybe a couple of years ago to knock on the door of world-class midfielder. He's had a four out of 10 season for me and that's being fairly kind. Yeah, I, I had I had four in my head 
Um, Barnes, I had slightly less than yours. I mean, it's funny when you say 30, 34 appearances, 13 goals, one assist for Barnes. Great season. The one assist is a bit bit of an iffy one, but um, that's probably down to who we've had in the centre, really, um, of the attack. Tiedemans, yep, yeah, completely agree. And, and I think it's very sad when it comes to Tiedemans because he leaves on such a low note when he should really have been one of the one of the best players, one of the all-time greats. And he is, what I said at the beginning of the, of the podcast. Um, number 10, James Madison, 30 appearances, 10 goals, 9 assists. Now, I had a, a, an, a, an, a pre-season bet with a, a producer at work over who would have the most goals and assists added together to make one total, so 19 for Madison, between Madison and Odegaard, who's he's an Arsenal fan. It was very close, and yet Odegaard has been hailed as having an amazing season, captain of Arsenal, nearly won the league, and yet Madison has got relegated, and yet the stats are, are, are you know, really, really good. Um, if anyone thinks missing that penalty against Everton has relegated the club, no, 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 no. Um, we did that at the time, about how many goals go down the centre from penalties. Every penalty I saw after that went straight down the middle and went in, so... Um, Issues towards the end of the season, I, I I think I was the one who was very quite quick to, to brush off any kind of social media posts by Madison, although I will now go back and kind of look back and go, I might have been wrong there because it turns out everything he said was wrong, you know, it'll be fine, no, it won't be, and it hasn't been, and in the end he's had to delete Twitter, etc, and all that sort of thing. Um, He's obviously going to leave the football club. Overall, as an individual, he's had a very good season. Very, very good. 10 goals, 9 assists. Um, and he hasn't maybe influenced the games late on as he did at the start of the season. But on an individual level, I'm probably going to say 7 out of 10 because we've still gone down. And I know it was a vital penalty, etc. But still, as a footballer this season, you can't have a less than 7 out of 10 season having... 10 goals and 9 assists. 9 assists is a lot for anyone in a, in a season. And yet, to go down with those stats, that's, well, quite remarkable, really. And then number 22 is Keenan Jusby Hall, who is, uh, if we're looking at midfielders, I believe is the next one along, yes. Um, disappointing. 31 appearances, 2 goals, 2 assists. Um, I can only imagine, in uh, or what I will say, is I think injuries towards the end of the season, from the second half of the season pretty much, have really kind of taken an effect on a player whose possible main attribute is his stamina. Remember the, the beep test at the start of the season in, pre, in uh, pre-season? He was a mile clear of anyone else in the football club. Unbelievably so. So it just shows you how, how fit a footballer he is. And yet when you lose that, it, it, it kind of showed him up to... It almost showed his limits as a player. Now, he's still a very good footballer. We know that. And he will form the mainstay of our midfield next season. But the promise he showed the year before, it hasn't kicked on this season. So as a season in itself, it surely has to go down as a relatively disappointing season for Keenan. And I will probably say... Five out of ten season because I do think injuries really ham- hampered him towards the end of the season. So uh, are you are you 
in agreement with those two. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Madison, 19 goal involvements in, what did you say, 30 Premier League games. That's that's an astonishing return in a team as bad as we were. And he always, even the games when he wasn't playing very well or when Leicester weren't doing very well, he, he never really went missing. He always went looking for the ball. He was trying to make things happen. If it didn't come off, he'd go again and he'd go again. There were too many players for Leicester that shied away this season uh, from the cameras uh, afterwards as well as from, from the ball on the pitch. So I think he he did he did his best single-handedly to keep us in the Premier League, and ultimately it wasn't quite enough. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you very much for your service, James Madison. Those final season stats are not a bad way to to depart at all. Obviously, the relegation is not ideal. Uh, you missed Mark Albrighton, who made a handful of appearances in the Premier League, but I think we can just sort of took that away as not even no rating not played enough games to be rated yeah yeah but but the decision to let him go the the vice captain and also the player you want scrapping for for everything now i know he wanted to play so maybe he should have played but you've got a player there at the football club again it's a it's a it's a bit too weak from the management it's a bit and i can only blame really rogers here because surely at the time Knock at the door, Mark Albrighton. Come in, Mark. Sit down. Right. What's up, boss? I'm not playing. I'm. I'm what? Thirty three. I want to play. Um, I've got the chance. Apparently, there's a few clubs after me who I can go on loan. Well, I'd love you here. I'd love to stay. You know, keep you here because we need you. If it's you know things aren't going very well, this that and the other. How about just wait and see what's what? No, no, no. I really want to go. I really want to go. Okay, then. But surely you put into the, the deal that you can come back at any moment. This is Mark Albright we're talking about. This is not a 18-year-old, you know, uh, attacking midfielder or fullback who's going on loan for a season. This is a guy who we could severely need in case there's an injury problem or for whatever. Um, and so to not implement that, well... There you go. That's 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 terrible. Surely the club who is accepting Mark Albright in West Brom would accept. I don't understand that. The decision in the first first place was was crazy, um, because again, it just th- this is another example of that we're slowly creeping towards relegation, and for, it appears that only people from the terraces can see this. Everything's going to be fine. We can let Mark Albright go on 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 loan. It's fine. We're going to be fine. We're not going to go down. So when we end up going down, you look back and go, serious, serious mismanagement from the board in terms of the deal, but also from the manager to actually tick it in the first place. Again, another massive red cross next to Rogers for me. But not a red cross next to Albrighton, because ultimately it's not a lack of loyalty. It's a, it's a wanting to play, and he said he wanted his kids to see him play football rather exactly. than like sit on the bench or wear the tracksuit and not even be in the match day squad. But but also but also we should be even even if it's the case where Rogers goes, actually, Mark, you're going to be part of the squad and you're going to get game time. Don't worry. But ultimately, it's a no. If Albrighton kicks up a stink about it, you then turn around to him and go, guess what? Tough. You're on a contract at Leicester, a very, very good contract. You've been extremely well paid, and you're gonna you're gonna remain here for at least the next four or five months. That's all it is, four or five months. Yes, you kids, you want the kids want to see you play. Yeah, fine. But ultimately, if they wanted him to be at the football club, the answer is no. Mark, you're staying. You're being paid a lot of money. You're gonna play. See you on the training field in ten minutes. So. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's where the strong management again doesn't come into things. It's uh, um, 
it's it was nice at the time. Yes, Mark, go and play. You know, your kids watch you play football. But ultimately, if they were serious about relegation, which obviously they weren't at that time, then he wouldn't have left. And ultimately, uh, running through the sort of recurring theme and the the sort of core of what we're discussing here is what what ultimately led to Leicester's relegation is that's another very experienced leader out of the picture like Schmeichel like Evans off goes all Brighton another player missing from the dressing room another player that set the standards as as the as the consummate professional gone out of the picture and another opportunity for player standards to slip by a couple of percent uh, next player in the list is 24, Papi Mendy, now no longer a Leicester City player because he's one of those that have been released and we've uh, we've talked enough about that. Scored a blinder of a goal. Uh, always done well for Leicester when he's been in the team. I hate to think how much more each manager that he's played under wanted from him before they decided that actually they couldn't do without him and he needed to be starting games in the Premier League because... Again, with him in the in the centre of midfield, I I think Leicester could have had somebody that would at least afford that dire defence a little bit more protection. He couldn't get a game. I, I'm looking at his appearances. His 19 appearances, but I mean, it, if you added that up into total minutes, it'd be it'd be pitiful. Uh, yet every single time he's come into a game, he's been very effective. Uh, I think he's been a very good professional at Leicester, seeing as the fact that he's been at the club for. I'm looking at this now, seven years, uh, 2016 to 2023, and only made 118 appearances in that time. That's not a lot at all. Uh, I I completely can't blame him for leaving the club whatsoever. I'd give him, for the games that he played this season, something like a 6 out of 10. And then you look along to the next player, very similar in terms of positional, uh, another defensive midfielder in Wilfred and Didi. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, because with Ndidi, you're talking probably a more extreme fall off the cliff than than Yuri Tielemans. Because Ndidi, a couple of years ago, in a similar to Tielemans, and obviously they were playing together in a very well-oiled machine of a team, um, Ndidi is one of those players that um, now he's, what, 26 years old. Uh, a couple of years ago, 23 years old, something like that, you're saying... Here is a future candidate for world-class defensive midfielder playing for one of the big teams in, 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 in any of the big leagues in Europe. And he has completely fallen off a cliff for this season along with the, the performances of the team. And a, a player that's capable of dominating any midfield in virtually any football match. I genuinely believe that at his peak. He has fallen so far from grace this season it got to the point where he couldn't even use his long legs to make a tackle and that is literally the thing that he that his his entire position was was born on he couldn't even do that at times play he went missing players just drifted past him he had no no wilfred and Didi about him whatsoever i can't give him any more than a than a 3 i i feel harsh saying it but well i've got down 2 so I won't worry about that, and I echo everything about it. A guy who dominated the midfield, uh, yeah, just exactly what you said. A shocker, an absolute shock in a season where the player of the year and the best players for clubs who go down generally are like the goalkeepers and you know defensive midfielder. He should have had a lot of action. He should have stood out in games. Uh, really, really poor. Um, Dennis Pratt, 
22 appearances. That's <laughs> really <laughs> 22. Um, one goal and uh, and no assist. 22. I don't remember him playing when he came on. Uh, we were calling for him at the end of the season, and when he played, he was awful. Um, it was awful in the Fulham game, uh, just not fit. Uh, Again, a mystery, though, at the start of the season. Just, I mean, 22, a lot of them, obviously, substitute appearances. Probably 21 of them are. But criminally underused, and he'll move on. And four, does it really matter what rating Dennis Pratt gets? No, because it's Dennis Pratt. End of the day, he was never really given a chance. Again, in a a midfield that never really functioned. So, again, just strange all round. Um, But when he did play towards the end of the season, even though he wasn't fit, he didn't cover himself in a lot of glory. But... Um, we move on. Um, I've got down uh, Bubakari Samare as the next midfielder, even though he's number 42. Um, well, he's crap, isn't he? Let's put it right. Um, he played 26 times. He's not very good. He played okay towards the end of the season, but overall, he's not a very good player who was going to leave the club and then the club said no and then he's going to Monaco and then uh, like and then he ends up playing 26 games again what's going on there i think he was probably our best player actually in in the final you know half a dozen games or so um but there's some terrible who was it was it Ndidi who passed the ball with his heel accidentally sideways when it was the uh, the winner against uh, the the blackburn goal anyway it was but Samare, yeah, he's just not a very good footballer. The Premier League's too quick for him. Who knows if he's with us in the in the Championship, he might turn into he might be decent at that level. I just can't see it in the Premier League at all. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with a three because I just don't think he's very good. That, it probably should be higher than that, but there you go. Um, just to mention a, a, a few, you got Lewis Brunt, etc. Um, uh, Will Alves. Uh, the ACL, I mean, that was horrible. It was an awful challenge, wasn't it, by the uh, by the Wolves um, youngster? My God. Um, hopefully, he's fine. And uh, other at Braybrook as well. Like problems, ACLs, very unfortunate. But hopefully, he's back. And you never know; could be a real bright spark towards the end of next season. And and you don't know what kind of player we've got. But yeah, that was a, just a real low point as well with uh, Braybrook as well. So. Yeah, we move on um, to the forward line, Rob, which I think we'll do. Yeah, hmm. Go on, him. Number nine, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, hmm. Uh, on Samari, I don't think you can give him any higher than a three because, yes, in the last few games, he maybe got up to kind of like a six. Uh, but in the games prior to that, he was would have been lucky to score a one in my book. So if you're averaging it out over the course of the season, he can't score any higher than a three. He's 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 rubbish at football. I agree. Uh, Jamie Vardy. Oh, Jamie Vardy. Um, another player where we're sitting here saying that's his worst season in a Leicester shirt. I know it sounds obvious because Leicester got relegated, but we didn't probably say that about Madison or Barnes. Um, he was being made to play in a system that increasingly didn't suit his style. Uh, Leicester couldn't get the ball to him at any point in any kind of position that was useful to him. Uh, he has lost uh, at the edge off of the attributes that, that made him once an absolute menace for defenders. Um, he struggled to, to score goals. Uh, oh, this feels horrible. This is, this is the worst one for me. 
any of those other players, I could chuck any number at them, not bothered, whatever. But right, Jamie Vardy, Leicester's number nine. So many nine out of ten seasons. I don't even know what number I can say. It's got to be a two or a three. <laughs> what's he done? No fault of his own, but what? Well, some fault of his own, obviously. But what? What's he done to deserve any more? Well, exactly. I, 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 I think I was going to say four, just because at least the effort was there, um, and I just think the legs have gone for the first. You know, how many times people said, "Oh, is his legs on?" No, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, it's like I can't remember which game it was, but I remember doing the pod going. Jamie Vardy's legs have gone. They've absolutely gone. And he's fine. He's fit. He's he's had a run of like six, seven games. But all of a sudden it was like, wow. Um who who knows? I mean, we'll we'll look at that in the next podcast. Um Kaleshi Inacho, twenty-eight appearances. How many of them were off the bench? Five goals, five assists, no surprise. Um criminally underused. Again, in a season where We've got relegated. You've got a footballer who's got a very, very good goal-scoring record, including a burst of games over, what, 20 games um, towards the end of the season, what, a couple of years ago, where he was the best player in the Premier League. It was the guy scores goals. No change in formation. No way of bringing him in the side alongside maybe a Vardy or a Dakar. Um Odd. Every time Brendan Rodgers said anything about Clarechi Nacho, it's, oh, he's a great lad. He, uh, from minute one for four years, I can say he's not his sort of player. He doesn't like him as a footballer. He might say he's a nice chap, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't like him as a player. You've gone down with a guy. Oh, I'd, love, I'd love to know how many of those appearances really have been off the bench. Um, it's so bad. 17, in fact, were off the bench. Um ridiculous absolutely ridiculous so technically five goals in in 11 starts and then those off the bench what seasons he had i don't know five probably but then again he's still not being given um a full run of games quite remarkable i'm going to say five more on him as we go on to the next podcast patson dacker 30 appearances four goals four assists very disappointing um, I still think there's a player there, 17 off the bench, so he st- started 13 games. Um, we know he can finish god-awful as a footballer anywhere outside of the penalty box, really, let's be honest. Um, his hold-up play is awful. His general play away from the penalty area back to goal is awful. Um, yes, he's lightning, but he needs to play in a in a formation that's set up for him. And also, let's in, in the penalty area, he is very good. His finishing's excellent. And also, he can turn, swivel and shoot and score. He's very quick. And if he's at the club next season, and again, just a look to next season, I've got no idea how many goals he could score. Who knows? He could score 30. You never know. As a season, three. It Surely, it's got to be a three. And, well, Tete, I don't know. 13 appearances, one goal. He looked like he was amazing on debut. But the debut was so good, it was the debut of someone who went, do you know what, there's a lot of substance behind it, not just a flash in the pan. There's a, there's a really good player. It's not just the tricks and that that kind of showed showed him up that day. It was his all-round play. His awareness was amazing. And you're like, there we go. There's your player on the right-hand side. Sign him up. And 
yet it falls off a cliff again, along with a few other players. I don't know what Tete two for the Villa game, probably. How quickly the misery of Leicester's season sapped any optimism and ability out of that new loan signing, eh? Especially with Christiansen as well. We talked about his debut was really, really good. And then very quickly, the the relegation, they got on board the relegation train and they, they went downhill with the rest of them. Uh, interesting on the podcast that we haven't given Ian Acho the top score of the, uh, the top rating of the season, considering he got player of the season. I was very interested to see the outcome of those those votes because obviously there's, I, there's I some would be. comedy elements. Of Who's your well. player of the year? Who's your oh, player of the season? God, my Did player you vote? of the season. Did I heck? None of them. That's my opinion. Um, I voted. Did you? I, if I had voted, I would have found myself with very little choice other than going with James Madison. I went against James Madison. Um, I I think overall the right answer is James Madison, probably by quite a distance. But um, I can't believe it gone to Ian Acho. I, I can't believe that. He should have played an awful lot more. Fine. Uh, my play this season... Uh, it could have easily been James Madison, absolutely fine. But for me, by quite a distance, was Napoli's Mendy. I thought Mendy was fine. I think I think he played really well when he played. How, how he was left not even off the bench. I don't understand. Unless he's unless he's gone round to Smith and punched him in the face on day one. Why wasn't he being played? Our best midfielder, pretty much all season, apart from obviously uh, counting kind of. Uh, thingy going forward, Madison going forward, but how he hasn't played in those final games, those half dozen games, eight games, I, I don't know. Don't, I, you you asked me. I have no idea. And I bet everyone listens to this. Again, completely, and I know Smith came into the squad and was like, okay, surely, I, don't, I just don't understand. Don't understand. So, yeah, he for me, he was the player of the year because when he played, he was very good, very influential. And playing probably his best football for the football club in a very strange way. Just just mad. Absolutely mad. Along with a load of things that were mad this season. You can go through umpteen of them. The the vast own goals at Liverpool. Just completely insane. I mentioned Vestergaard. That under-21 game. Just remarkable. Um, set up for him and it, it basically plays 10 minutes gets it it's just ridiculous and then they get absolutely annihilated and end up getting relegated just farcical and then you look at the teams who went down we lo- we lost twice at south to southampton completely bonkers um you you lose to chelsea who were quite frankly a complete basket case after that just terrible absolutely ridiculous and then You've got the high points, you know. You you beat Forest, the game against Villa, and then Villa going on an amazing run up. Like what what was that about? I have no idea. The game against Palace was just a complete joke. Roy Hodgson comes back, and Palace basically battered us like a team of older kids playing against a team from the year below at lunchtime. They smash about a thousand shots in the first half. It broke all records, or for at least a decade or less, just slightly less. And it was unbelievable. Like, it, it, we were being annihilated against Palace. It's it's unbelievably strange how things have gone. I know things don't quite go for you um, when you're down there. 
But still, it's just quite frightening how many weird things, not even weird, but how many crazy on the field and on the touchline things happened this year. Straight the, the, the first, the first game of the season, making oh, it's it's red hot. It wasn't red hot at all, and the players were tired, right? So how many subs did you make? One. What's that about? It, it's it's really strange. It's 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 the um, not getting too political, but like, like Boris would just say anything to to get people. Like, he just say anything. He'll just, well, what 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 do you want to hear? I'll say that. Yes, it'll be fine. We'll do this. Just and and eventually, it come, oh, of course, all the lies and that will come back to you. It was like that. It was just like, oh, okay. Um, what happened in the? Yeah, well, we we threw away a two goal lead. Yeah, they were they were injured. Yeah, they were tired, weren't they? It was actually really warm, wasn't it? Well, no, it wasn't warm. Okay, uh, yeah, they were really tired, so they suffered. Well, you made one sub. Well, um, yeah, just basically saying anything, you know, the I can't be botheredness, the everyone off by ten percent, twenty percent, including the manager, highlighted in that first game, like. That first game, you could pretty much sum up the season from it. In fact, there's a few instances, but that really, because it showed you that Leicester had the talent to do well this year. But then you had crazy on the field things. You had errors by the goalkeeper and the defence showing up, which ultimately was the case of why we got relegated. And then you've got a manager who obviously by then didn't want really want to be there. And that's the board's fault as well. You've got weird decisions from the touchline, like the non-substitutes and weird messages from the football club afterwards. It kind of summed it all up, really, on the first day of the season. You can encapsulate all the issues in that one game. It all kind of breeds from that one game. Fully enough, the season bred from the first game of the season. And then ultimately, we get relegated. And on the next podcast, we'll look at what we're going to do going forward and looking at the squad, looking at who's gone and being a little bit more optimistic and what we think needs to happen. And I've got some strong ideas about what needs to happen. And I'm talking right now, as in tomorrow, or what should have happened already. So stand by for that. But Rob, closing thoughts then on on the season before we do the next pod, which is in about two minutes time, about next season. The worst season that we have ever witnessed or talked about on this podcast. There we go. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.